Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for this podcast is Dr. Stephen Blair, professor at the Arnold School of Public Health at the University of South Carolina and one of the world's leading experts on the impact of physical activity on health. Dr. Blair has a long list of credits and honors to his name. Uh, was the senior scientific editor of the Surgeon General's report on physical activity and health and has been working in this field for a number of years and has made many important contributions. Steve, I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for having me, Kelly. So the topic of this podcast is the relationship between physical activity and weight and obesity. Could we start off by asking why is physical activity an important thing to consider here and about the concept of energy balance? Well, the obesity epidemic, which is real in this country and indeed around the world, can only result from a lot of people taking in more calories than they burn on too many days. That's the only explanation, positive energy balance, uh, we would call that. We don't know very much about what is causing this positive energy balance. It clearly has been present, and we're now up to what one-third of the U.S. population is obese. So we need to find out what is causing the positive energy balance, and there are two candidates, and one is caloric intake, and the other is caloric expenditure. And my view is we don't really know which the major contributors are. Uh, Is it 50-50? Uh, I think it's a little more likely that it's a decline in energy expenditure, and many others I think it's uh, due to increase in uh, caloric intake. But I think we need data to find out which side. But until we get those data, why don't we at least put equal emphasis on helping people move more, sit less, expend more calories, and eat fewer calories, and eat more healthful diets? I think we need to try all of those things. So if we scan the landscape, Um, and look at professional meetings, journals, um, policy meetings, the way legislators are approaching the obesity problem, um, there's a lot more attention to the food part of it than the physical inactivity part. And one can agree or disagree on whether that makes sense. But you've been a champion for the physical activity part, and you have very good scientific basis for the points you make. So could you tell us about some of the research you, and perhaps even others, have done that show the importance of physical activity in weight control? Right. I think we can start with how much activity does it take to prevent weight gain in the first place. And there are a lot of uh, statements out there. Uh, None of us have much data, really, on this uh, topic. But in our cohort that we've been following, in fact, a former Yale professor, Loretta DiPietro, uh, led led this effort, uh, we found that people who were initially sedentary, that is doing essentially nothing, but who over the course of time, we had measures four times over about 10 years, over the course of time became even moderately active, and that is 30 minutes a day, five days a week, actually didn't gain weight. And of course, the traditional picture in American society is with the passage of years, people gain weight. So from that research, it seemed even doing a modest amount prevented weight gain in the first place. And if those sedentary people actually went to a higher level of activity, they actually lost a little bit of weight over time. So I think physical activity, energy expenditure, is a crucial part of preventing the problem in the first place. Then we could say, well, how much activity does it take to lose weight. 
And, of course, doing something is probably better than doing nothing. And there have been a variety of studies and a variety of um, opinions on this. Uh, my view is, again, doing, doing a little bit is better than not, not doing anything. But if you want to lose weight, and especially in the relatively short term, and by that I mean weeks and months, you'll be more successful focusing on caloric restriction and cutting your calories than you will be increasing your activity. And one reason for that, especially people who are overweight and they're probably sedentary, it's just easier to cut out 500 calories. And I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, I'm a guy who struggles every day of my life trying to manage caloric intake, but it's easier to cut out 500 calories than it is to spend 500 more, especially if you're sedentary and unfit. You take a person who weighs 170 pounds or so, they'll burn about 100 calories per mile. So if you're going to add 500 calories, that's a five-mile walk. And for somebody who's sedentary and unfit, that's a big challenge. So it's actually easier to affect the energy balance with caloric restriction. Whether that works best long run, we're still struggling to try to find answers to that. Um, I think what uh, people who are trying to lose weight should do is try to eat a healthful diet, focus on fruit and vegetables, focus on whole grains, try not to eat so much fat, and increase your activity up to that 150 minutes a week. And that will help. It's not going to make you skinny. If you're 40 years old and you've gained 40 pounds, you're not likely to go back to where you were at 20. I mean, I'm sorry. We, we have not been successful <laughs> in, getting, in developing treatments of any kind that take people who are overweight or obese and get them back to their early adulthood or their teenage years. Maybe someday we will. And, of course, there are exceptions to that. There are individuals we can point to. But as a group, those of us in the clinical business and the scientific world, we haven't been very successful. Now, you've done a number of studies over the years on the concept of fitness and fatness. And they've been so influential out in that they're, that's, term is even sort of out there in the public lexicon. Can you explain what that research is about and what you found? Yes, we have uh, followed people, normal weight, overweight, and obese people over time to see who gets sick and, and who dies, and categorize them as those who are, again, normal weight, overweight, or obese, and those who are fit or unfit. And what we find, a little bit surprisingly to me early on, was that obese people who are fit over the next 10 years are half as likely to die as the normal weight people who are not fit. So in other words, being active and fit seems to greatly reduce, and in many of our papers, simply eliminate the higher risk associated with being obese. So the message, I think, to the public is, and this is to all of us, obese or, or thin, be physically active. And being active and improving your fitness will be good for you. It'll reduce your risk of many chronic diseases, reduce your risk of dying, extend your longevity. And this is true whether you're thin, kind of mid-range, overweight, or even obese. So you're obese and you're active, good for you. You're improving your health. And I'm one of those guys. I'm an overweight, obese, 70-year-old uh, man. I've run nearly every day for 40 years. I wish I were the same weight I was when I was a college athlete. It's never going to happen. I struggle to try to maintain my weight. I am convinced from our research and others that I am healthier by continuing this activity. 
Would I be healthier still if I lost 20 or 30 pounds? I don't know. Wish I could. So I, I don't know if the research is capable of answering this question specifically, but does being physically active on a regular basis counteract the impact of obesity? Can it eliminate the risk for obesity? In our data, it essentially eliminates the mortality risk of obesity. It doesn't eliminate some of the other health hazards of obesity, such as developing type 2 diabetes. It dramatically reduces the risk, but it doesn't eliminate it. But in terms of mortality, obese people who are active and fit, their death rate is just no higher than normal weight people who are also active. It's very beneficial. That was really a breakthrough finding in the field and sensitized a lot of people to the importance of physical activity. Given that, um, as we as we led this off, we talked about the world paying more attention to the food part of this than the physical inactivity part. So as people are addressing obesity, how do you think those two issues are playing out in research funding, public policy, and the like? Well, I don't have any data other than my opinion and personal observations, but I guess I challenge all the listeners. You just tally up over the next week the number of times you see in the newspaper, hear on the radio, see on the TV, uh, focus on obesity as opposed to inactivity. I mean, I think it's 7 or 8 or 10 to 1. Uh, again, I don't have the data, but it seems to me much more attention is being paid to obesity as a public health problem as compared with inactivity as a public health problem. I would like to see a little more balance in attention, uh, certainly in clinical medicine, in public health efforts, and, of course, as a scientist in research funding of these, these two areas. Uh, you mentioned to me previously that there will be the release sometime soon of a major physical activity document. Can you explain what that's about? <clears throat> yes, just uh, maybe go, to go back to the last question uh, to start this, you know, we have had U.S. dietary guidelines for new ones every five years for, what, 25 years or so. The first physical activity guidelines were released in 2008. So, okay, we finally got them. We got the first one. Uh, we have never had a national plan for physical activity in this country. A group led by Dr. Russ Pate of, of my uh, department uh, has been working on such a plan for a couple of years. It includes many of the people who were active in developing the, the physical activity guidelines that I've mentioned. And sometime probably in May of this year, there will be a big rollout of the National Physical Activity Plan. It will be comprehensive. It will address many sectors. Uh, for those uh, interested in following on this, if they look at the November special issue of the Journal of Physical Activity and Health, they will find eight white papers on these different sectors that will be in the national plan. I can never remember all eight at any one time, but it includes clinical medicine, public health, education, worksite, uh, communications, foundations. Uh, so we are trying to take a very comprehensive look, and we've had uh, some of the best people in the country working on this, indeed some of the best people in the world, uh, especially from some, from some other countries who have had national physical activity plans and who have actually made some progress. And good examples there would be Australia and Finland. They've been doing this longer, and they've actually had some beneficial effect in their population. So I hope that the national plan will 
galvanize some action in the U.S. in these different sectors. We'll pay more attention, and maybe 10 years from now we'll be a more active society. So it's, can I conclude from what you've said that physical activity is not getting the attention it deserves, but there are some promising signs out there that, that this might be changing. Indeed. I Of course, I'm biased. It's my feel. I would like to see more attention paid to physical inactivity as a public health problem. But certainly, we have made progress. I think we will continue to make progress. Uh, there are high public officials, uh, both elected officials and uh, people at CDC who are uh, supportive of this. So I think we are making progress. I am impatient. I would like to see a little more, a, a little more rapidly. Good. Well, that's a very positive note to end on. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Our guest today was Dr. Stephen Blair, professor at the Arnold School of Public Health at the University of South Carolina and leading expert on the role of physical activity and health. I welcome you to visit our website at www.yalerudcenter.org for a list of other podcasts and a variety of other resources that we have to offer regarding food, food policy, and obesity. Thank you.